All right. I got a story to tell you guys. Um, how many of you guys know who Deion Sanders is? All right. What's his? What was his nickname? That's right. Neon. He had a couple. Neon Dion. Prime time. Way before Amazon Prime and all that stuff, we had Prime Time with Deion Sanders. And well, that went really loud. I don't know, it's up here, but anyway, um, in 1997, this guy was arguably probably the second most popular athlete on the planet, uh, at least in America, behind Michael Jordan. Dion was a two sport athlete. He played professional baseball and professional uh, football. He won two Super Bowls back-to-back years, and in 92, he was in the World Series, which he was with the Braves then, and pretty sure that was the year they lost to some team in Toronto. I'm not totally sure, but pretty sure they lost the Blue Jays that year. But anyway, he's the only athlete to ever play in the Super Bowls and then also in the World Series. Dion uh, was married, had children, was very famous, had lots of money. Uh, he could buy anything he wanted to. Uh, he was... He had all kinds of endorsement deals. He was on all, uh, all the commercials all the time. He even had his own music album in 90, 1994. I don't know how well it did. I know I never listened to it, but um, he had a, an album. But you would think with all these amazing things that he had and the fame, the popularity, he'd have everything he ever needed. And you'd think that just like the world today, they're going after all these things, you would think he would had everything. Well, it's, it's really doing something funky now. You guys hear that? It just you had to hear that, okay? That was not in my head. I know someone had to hear that. Mark heard it. Thank you, Mark. All right. All right. Well, they did. All right. They're speaking in faith then. So, um, but he had all these things in his life. Everything you think: mansions, Lamborghinis. He had. He had everything. Everything. But he wasn't happy. In 1997, he was going through a divorce. Uh, he. It was very sad, and depressed, and he said this once in a, one interview. I was going through the trials and tribulations of life. I was pretty much uh, running on fumes, he said. I was empty, no peace, no joy, losing hope with the progression of everything. In the prime of his career, uh, Dion attempted to commit suicide by driving his car off a cliff, going about 70 miles an hour, and he dropped 30 to 40 feet. And I don't know, I tried to find what car he was driving, if he was in the Lamborghini or whatever. It was some nice car he was in. And amazingly, he fell 30 to 40 feet and didn't have a scratch on him. He wasn't hurt. He walked away with no scratches. He was stunned. He was like, God, what? He's, he's, you have to think of God when something like that. But what, why am I still here? Why am I alive? Nothing he could get in this world, the women, the money, the everything, could not get him satisfaction in his life. And so after some encouragement from some pastors and Christian teammates, he decided to give his life to the Lord. And it was only then that he experienced real peace and joy. He had a reason to live. You know, and Dion could have passed away that day. He could have died. He could have had a funeral for him and maybe never made the Hall of Fame, whatever else we don't know. But uh, he, God spared his life. But there was a funeral that happened shortly after that. It wasn't necessarily one that everyone attended, but there was a funeral when his old man died and he became new in Christ. Even in this series on spirit, soul, and body, and I think for some of us, you might need to actually have a funeral service for that old man and just crucify that thing. Let him know that man is dead. It's not dominating you anymore. Your spirit's going to dominate you. Amen. They need to have, I mean, I'm telling you, people think they still have the old man with the whole point of the New Testament. There's over 150 verses that talk about how you're in Christ now. In him, through him, through whom? In Christ and there's a theme there he's trying to get across to us, amen? And we're going to look at this today some more in spirit, soul, and body. We're going to look at uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It talks about old things passed away, all things become new. 
We're going to look at what was old that passed away and what's new that's come. Because it's amazing to me. This is the foundational message of the gospel. And yet so many today, I don't know what they're preaching. I don't know what they're believing. They don't know about this change. So 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. Amen. And last week I showed you it wasn't talking about our bodies. We're going to get a glorified body one day in heaven. It wasn't talking about our souls because our souls are still in progression. They're growing. This is talking about our born-again spirits. Old things have passed away and everything has become new. Amen. Amen. Today we're going to look at this. So what passed away? One commentator said this. In regard to the... I think we have a PowerPoint for this, this slide here. In regard to the Jews, their former prejudices against Gentiles and Christianity, their natural pride, their attachments to their rites and ceremonies, and dependence on them for salvation has all passed away. In regard to Gentiles, their attachment to idols, their love of sin, their dependence on their own works has passed away. And third one, he said, in regards to everyone... Their former prejudices, prejudices, <laughs> opinions, habits, attachments passes away. Their supreme love of self passes away. Their love of the world passes away. Their supreme attachment to their earthly friends rather than God passes away. Their love of sin, their sensuality, their pride, vanity, ambition, all passes away. And that's a good list. It's a, there's a lot of good things on there. But, um, but many of those things listed there didn't instantly pass away, did they? They passed away gradually, or they are passing away gradually over time. So even though that's a good list by this commentator, things like habits, opinions, prejudices, again, <laughs> I have trouble saying that, do they? Pride, selfish ambition, and things like that, those things don't instantly pass away when you're born again, are they? He's talking about the soul realm, this commentator is. But uh, Paul was clearly talking about our spirit. Those things can gradually change as we are transformed by renewing our minds to what Christ already did. But that's not an instant change. If you are prejudiced before about something, you still will be until Christ deals with your heart. Amen. Okay, so it's talking about the change that happened in your spirit. So this commentator had a good list, but that's not what Paul was talking about. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It doesn't say all things are becoming new or all things have the potential to become new. It says all things, past tense, have already become new. It's already done. It's a finished work of Jesus, and it happened in your spirit. Okay? Now, I know this is week five on this. It might be the last one. It might not be because um, we need to know this stuff because we can know it in our brain, but we don't know it because if we really know it, we're going to live from it. We're going to live by what he said. The, The whole New Testament is based around a lot of this teaching right here, who you are now in Christ, what he did for us. So, um... This can't be referring to the list the commentator gave us because Paul wrote that but an instant and permanent change that's taking place. And that cha- change took place in our spirits. So what passed away? Well, in order to understand what passed away, we have to look at what the old sinful nature looked like, okay? If you go to some churches, they're going to still tell you that you have this sinful nature. They're going to still tell you you're still a dirty dog. You're a dirty worm. You're useless, worthless, unworthy, all this kind of stuff. And it's not in the Bible. 
It's totally contrary to the word of God. It's totally contrary to the New Testament, the gospel message of Jesus, of why he saved you and redeemed you, is not to call you a worm. We were worthless and ungodly, all these things, powerless and ungodly. But after you're born again, all things become new or recreated in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to show you this. I showed you this a few weeks ago. I'm going to show you this list of what our spiritual condition looked like. This is before we were saved. If you can put that next slide up there for me. It says, we were dead in transgressions and sins, past tense. We were given over the powers of darkness. We were sons of disobedience, and our ruler was Satan. Okay? Satan's not your ruler anymore. Amen? He was, but he's not now. We were children of wrath. We were powerless and ungodly. We were God's enemies. We were hostile to God. We were unable to submit. We were unable to please God. We were separated from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of, covenants of promise, without hope and without God in this world. That's what our spirit looked like, and there's other verses that describe it too. But this was our old nature. We were dead in sin. We were in darkness. Our ruler was Satan. We were rebellious, disobedient, unsubmissive, hostile towards God, and ungodly. And there was nothing you could do about it. Amen? Amen. You couldn't change your spirit. But all of this passed away. Yes. And more. Yeah. All of that passed away. That's not who you are anymore. That's not who you are anymore. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's not who you are. Romans 6 says, 6 says this. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Everything about our old man, our old nature, passed away instantly. It died when we were born again. Amen? We're no longer slaves of Satan. We're no longer slaves of sin. You can't say, I couldn't help it. I couldn't control myself. Ah, it's a lie. It's a lie. You might believe it, and that reality becomes reality to you, but it is a lie in the spirit realm. It's finished. It's dead. It's been completed. It's finished. Your spirit is perfected forever through Christ, and you can yield to your spirit and not sin. It says, if you are tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me, because God's not tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. He also says, no temptation sees you except that what's common to man, and we'll always give you a way of escape. So if you always have a way of escape, that means you don't have to sin. Anybody here? Okay. All right. I'm just changing the narrative here a little bit of what we hear in church sometimes because it's so sad that sin becomes the main topic of conversation and not Jesus. Not the work of Christ. Um, We've now been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. We don't live in sin anymore. We don't live in darkness anymore. We don't live in rebellion anymore. We are now alive in our spirits because of God. Because of God. We are alive. In him we live and move and have our being. Right? John 6.63 says this. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. His spirit made you alive. Alive. One, it made you alive physically, and it made you, when you're born again, alive spiritually. Amen? Amen. So even though Deion Sanders had everything this world has to offer and found it was not enough, he was still spiritually dead. He needed the life of Jesus, the, the, the resurrection life of Jesus in him to make an old man new, to be actually start enjoying his life. Yeah. Yeah. So we're alive in our spirits. So the old man passed away, but there's more. The first word in 2 Corinthians 5.17 is, Therefore. 
And you guys know this, every time you see the word therefore, you got to find out what? What it's there for. Very good. You've heard that. All right. So the word therefore is a conjunction which connects the, this verse with the previous one, which is verse 16. And it means for this cause or for this reason. And verse 16 also starts with a therefore, doesn't it? So then you go back another one to find out what it's there for. And we won't go back there. I'll just tell you briefly. It's, it's talking about uh, we should no longer live for ourselves, but live for Christ who died for us. Okay, that's what it's talking about. So verse 16, therefore from now on, say from now on. Now on. Come on, somebody. I mean from now on. Now I think God meant from now on. Amen. From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. We can see here there's something that needs to change, but the way something is expected to change on the way we view things. Amen? What is it supposed to change? We're supposed to be consciously aware of this change. We are not to view things the way we used to. Okay? We are not to regard anyone according to the flesh anymore. Do you think that includes ourselves? Come on. I'm telling you, it does. It starts with you. You've got to change how you see yourself. Amen? You've got to change how we see that. Ourselves are included. So uh, we are not to regard ourselves according to the flesh anymore. We're not to regard others according to the flesh anymore. And we're not to regard Jesus according to the flesh anymore. Now he's talking about how Paul knew him only that way and he thought he was just a good guy until he had the road to Damascus experience and his whole theology changed in a moment, didn't it? So one commentary said that this is part of the old things that have passed away. Our old perspectives passed away. Now that, I, I, I realize that is a, can be a gradual thing, but it's an expected thing. Our perspectives are supposed to change. Our old selfish, carnal views of ourselves, of others, and of God have passed away. You don't glorify in your testimony by talking about how a measly, dirty, nasty worm you were and the nasty things you used to do in high school. It's dead. It's gone. It's buried. You don't testify to that. That's, it's testified with a change that's happened in your life, not the old stuff. People get up and they share a testimony. They talk about how they, were, they were the worst sinner ever, and they go into great details how bad they were. But they have no idea who they are now. They just know, I'm trying to not do that anymore. That's not a testimony. That sounds like a 12-step program of trying to get some self-help to something, all right? The testimony is I've been delivered from the powers of darkness. I've been translated out of that kingdom. I don't live there anymore. I now live in the Son of God. I now live in Christ, and Christ lives in me, all right? Don't, don't brag about the past. We're bragging about the future because the future is in Christ is in us. That's our future. So we have changed. Therefore, we need to see things differently, Right? So, so this, again, this doesn't sound like progression, but it's connected. It's saying, therefore, since there's been a change, we need to see ourselves and Christ differently and others. We need to see it differently. Okay? Our new creation nature is intended to see things differently. No longer after the flesh. No longer dominated by the five senses. And we need to see these things through the eyes of the Spirit who lives in us. It takes faith to see these things. And it, but it produces good results, doesn't it? Romans 8, 6 says this, For to be carnally minded is death, but to spiritually minded is life and peace. If you're going to let your, your mind, your heart be dominated by your five senses, you will experience spiritual death. You will experience death. But if you're dominated by your spiritual mindedness, you're going to experience life and peace. Amen? Amen. Now, carnal mindedness uh, doesn't necessarily mean sinful mindedness. 
All sin is carnal, but not all carnality is sin. Carnal literally means of the five senses. Of the five senses, being dominated by those. A carnal-mindedness is when we allow our lives to be dominated by what we see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. We are carnally minded when our thoughts center primarily on the physical realm. You know, even in this natural world, we learn to believe in things we can't see, yet we, try, we struggle sometimes with believing in things we can't see in the spiritual realm. Right. Why is that? All right, radio signals, satellite signals, cell phone signals going through this room constantly right now. We can't see them, but we know they're there, don't we? Uh, microwaves that heat your food. All right, you're looking in there, the thing's spinning, hopefully your light's working, it's going in there, and somehow when the thing dings, hopefully it's hot. But you didn't see the microwaves that are going through your microwave that's hitting that thing, but you know that it had impact on your food, didn't it? And sometimes when it missed a spot and it was cold, or hit a spot too much, it's burning your mouth. I mean, you realize that thing's working kind of or something. Or what about germs? We wash our hands whether they look dirty or not because we know that germs are real and so we wash our hands and try to get these germs off. Who knows if you did a good job or not until they get the purple light out there like, oh my gosh, ah, you know, whatever, you know. Uh, but we, we, it affects our life. We're, we're doing things. Our life has changed by what we can't see, right? Because you know it impacts your life. What about this spiritual? You can't see it, but it does exist. And it exists on the inside of us this our natural uh, um, perspective can't uh, discern it, but it has been changed. Amen? Amen. Our brain, our five senses can't perceive it, but our spirits can. And by faith, we can believe the things that have changed and be spiritually minded. Okay? Confessing how you stink and you struggle at this, you struggle at that, isn't going to change your life. I had a kid across there once... Um, he had a really rough life. He did, he's actually just recently found out who his dad was, but he never thought he ever would. He had a DNA test done, found out who his dad was, was able to reunite with some of that family. But at the time, he didn't know who his dad was, had a really rough life. A lot of bad things happened to him. And he liked the show back then. Uh, I think it was called Roseanne. And uh, it was from Roseanne Barr. The show is terrible, just so you know. It's horrible, terrible. If you liked it, I'm sorry, but it's terrible. It's full, of, it's full of awful stuff. It's just a bad family example, sarcasm. You, you want your family to be like that. You just watch those shows. So he, he loved that show. And he, he, I said, why do you like it? He goes, well, it, I can just relate to that. That's how my family kind of looked like. I grew up in foster care systems and different things. I said, but that how you want your family to look like when you're, when you're married? No. Said, well, then don't watch that stuff. You need to have a different image than what you had from the past to give you a target to go for. This is what I want it to look like, so look at something else other than this because that's how your house is going to look like if you want to watch that. That's the only thing he had in his mind because his family looked just like that. It kind of made him feel like, I guess I'm not so different after all. Well, guess what? You might not be so different after all, but if you want to be peculiar, if you want to be special, if you want to have a good family that's going to last and make it, you're going to have to put a different image in front of your eyes than what you saw in the past. It's the same thing with our spiritual life. You can't just focus on what was before and the past and what was this and that. You have to focus on what's now in you in Christ. Yeah. You want to have a different vision in the inside of you to see what he did. Amen. So we need to be aware of this change. So since spiritual mindedness equals life and peace, and since we are no longer to regard anyone according to the flesh, how are we to know them? How are we supposed to know each other? You know, we can go back to high school. Yeah, I know. You know so-and-so? Yeah, I know that guy. He's a jerk. He, or he's an idiot, 
or he's a dummy. I mean, that guy's so dumb. I mean, and what are we talking about? We're talking about something that the guy did probably in high school. He kissed your girlfriend, or you kissed his, or you whatever, you, you, you kissed his whatever. I'm trying not to say the wrong ones. <laughs> you kissed the, anyway, you kissed somebody you shouldn't have kissed. And, uh, and then so you got bitter at that time, and, and it, you still judge that person by what they did 20, 30 years ago. And what if they got saved? What if they had a counter like Dion, and uh, all of a sudden they're not the same? And we're still judging them according to flesh and not according to who they are now in the spirit. And then we uh, downgrade them. We put them down here. We talk down on them, not thinking that in 20, 30 years, even then, they still, still might have had a, a poor personality. But maybe God did something in their life. Maybe something changed. Maybe they're not a mean person anymore. Maybe they're actually kind now. Is it possible? But old things have passed away. All things have become new. Amen. The word new is a very common theme in the New Testament, the second part of the Bible. And we see uh, in the New Testament a new creation, like in this verse. We see a new birth, new heart, new man, new commandment, new covenant, and new life. New is a very uh, common theme in the New Testament. And new in the Greek implies a new nature, quite different from anything previously existing. It does not mean recent or, uh, or that is, um, that's a different Greek word, recent. For example, I can say I have a new car, but it doesn't necessarily mean the car is brand new. It could be just new to me. But this isn't that situation. is isn't just I bought a used vehicle that's new to me. The word new uh, here means fresh, a new kind, unprecedented, novel, uncommon, and unheard of. God didn't just mend you. He didn't just do some repairs. He didn't do some surgery stuff. He made you brand new. A new creation. A brand new creation. Amen? It's uncommon, unheard of, unprecedented. Something that never existed in the world before. You are a living miracle right now. If you're born again, you're a living miracle if you're not born again. But if you're born again, you got a double miracle there. Because you're miracle one just to be alive. Amen? So our new creation is unlike anything that's ever happened before. It is unprecedented, uncommon, unheard of. And this new creation took place in our spirits when we were born again. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I don't think we can brag on what God did in us enough. Right. We need to be consciously aware of this. Amen. Yes. Titus 3.5 says this, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So not by works we can do, but by a work of Christ, by his mercy, he washed us, he saved us, he regenerated us, and he renewed us. So some of you might not know what regeneration means. I'm going to show you this. Regeneration in the Greek is the word palin genesia. Palin means again, and genesia comes from the word genesis. So regeneration means genesis again. God did a genesis creation again. A new birth, a spiritual regeneration, a spiritual renovation in your spirit, man, when you were born again. Recreated in Christ Jesus. Perfect and truly holy. Amen. Created to be like God. Created to be like God. Created like God. Righteous and truly holy. Ephesians 4.24. Amen. Amen. Right now, Ephesians 4.24 applies to you. Recreated in Christ. Righteous and truly holy by this Genesis again that he did when we're born again. Amen? So uh, Barnes notes on the New Testament says this. 
God's exertion of his power in the conversion of a sinner is as powerful as his act of creation of creating the world. Amen. Yeah. New creation. This change that took place was so great that it made it proper to say that he is a new man. He continues, in the conversation of a sinner, there is a change so deep, so clear, so entire, and so abiding that it's true to say he is a new creature of God. A work of his divine power as glorious as when God created all things out of nothing. There is no other change that takes place on earth so deep, so radical, and so thorough as the change at conversion. And there is no other where there is so much propriety in ascribing it to the mighty power of God. There has been a change in our new creation spirit so great that it equals the acts of creation itself. A change as if a new, uh, as a man was made all over again and had become new. Guys, this is the new birth. It's a new birth. For example, if a rich man like Deion Sanders, all right, becomes a new creation, old things passed away, all things become new the moment he's born again. He still might have some habits he's got to work out. He still might have some thought patterns that's going to change. But his spirit man is perfected forever the moment that he made Jesus Christ his Lord and Savior. Amen. So it's not wrong to say he's a new man. If an alcoholic man gets saved, it is not a lie to say that he's a new man. He's still struggling with dabbling in a little bit of drink until that's been taken out of his his life. Amen. And I will tell you this. You're not going to quit being an alcoholic by walking around saying you're an alcoholic. I'm not against the 12 steps of this, or whatever, but the life and death is in the power of your tongue. You can't walk around saying you're an alcoholic and then think you're not going to drink. Right. Amen? You, that's the old man. That's the old man. All things are new now. I'm now in Christ. All things are made new. It's like watching Roseanne. It's not going to help you. You've got to look at the new man. Uh, yep. Yep. All right? Uh, if a promiscuous man gets saved, he becomes pure. And it is not a lie to say that he is pure as Jesus is pure uh, moments after he's been changed from what he used to be. Even though he still might have some perverted tendencies. He might need some deliverance. He might need some whatever. But his spirit man has become pure as Christ himself. You can't say, well, I can't say that to him yet because, I don't know, he might still struggle there. No longer know each other after the flesh or to know each other after the spirit. You want to see someone be transformed and changed. We got to tell them about the transformation process that Christ did in us. We got to let them know. We got to think there. I, I might be saved. I'm not totally sure. My pastor thinks I am. I'm not sure. Man, we have to know. Yeah. We have to know. If a drug addict gives his life to Jesus, it's not a lie to say all things have become new. You are a new creature in Christ. Yeah. Right then. Yeah. Right then. And as he, as he, as Philemon one six said, we read last week or the week before. As we acknowledge what Christ has already done on the inside of us, our faith, our communication of faith will become effectual as we acknowledge what's already in us. Yeah. If we acknowledge what, what Christ has already done, we're going to change from glory to glory to glory. Yeah. Whether you've been saved 100 years, you've been saved for 10 minutes, you become a new man when you're born again. Amen. Amen. Yes. Now, notice it doesn't just say our spirits have become a new creation. It says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Or she. All right? So I am a new creation. You are a new creation. We are a new creation right now in Christ. Right. Amen? Amen? That's awesome. We're one of a kind, unprecedented, uncommon, unheard of in the history of the world. 
We are no longer to know each other after the flesh, amen? Yeah. I heard this story. I thought it was an excellent example of this. Uh, before Danny Silk, many of you guys heard of Danny Silk. Um, he was with Bethel for a long time. He's written many books. We use his books in our pre-marriage counseling and stuff. He's an amazing guy. Before he was saved, the guy was a druggie. He was a bad guy. He, was a, he had a rough life. He wasn't raised in a Christian home, didn't have a healthy family life. He didn't know anything about the Bible. He didn't know anything. And uh, after a while, he met Chris, and he met uh, Bill Johnson, other ones, and he gave his life to Christ. And shortly after, he started going to their church in Weaverville, California. And one day, uh, when he was there, they had a prophet at the church visiting one day, and he called Danny out of the crowd. He'd only been going for a short amount of time, and only three to five people in the whole church even knew who he was or knew about his old life. No one there really knew him. They just knew him as a visitor, a new guy. So this prophet calls him out and prophesied that he's going to have a big ministry one day, and he'd be like the next James Dobson, kind of, so to speak, with family ministry and things like that, which is exactly what he's doing today. So everyone in that church didn't know him after the flesh, except for Bill and uh, Chris, a few other people, but the majority of the church did not know him after his flesh, his old days. They only knew him after the prophetic word over his life. So everyone in the church treated him like that word was already true, and he grew into that word and actually became the next pastor after Bill went on to Bethel. He became the next pastor of that church, and now he's doing the things that was prophesied over his life that many years ago. Amen. This made me think, what about in our lives? We know each other after the spiritual words spoken over our life, the holy prophetic words over our lives, or because of how we used to be, or how things were, how your mother was, your dad was, or whatever. It doesn't matter if your dad was a drunk. It doesn't matter if he was on drugs, if he slept with every woman in town. You've been recreated in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You are a new creation reality in Christ right now. It doesn't matter about your mother, your father, or your past. What matters is you are now in Christ. You are now in Christ, amen? A new creation. That's who you are. And as we know who we are in Christ, we're going to walk in the things of God versus, oh, I don't know. Well, if you don't know, guess what you're going to walk with? The liar. You're going to walk with a liar. So uh, um, to be carnally minded is death, but spiritually minded is life and peace. We need to no longer know each other after our flesh and our mistakes, but know each other after the spirit, man. Amen? I want to pray for you guys. Um, we can hear this message again and again and again, but until it becomes a reality, yeah. and we're still, uh, uh, our hearts are connected to how we feel. You feel bad about yourself. You feel this way, that way. You had to be transformed by renewing your mind, and God's not going to do that for you. He's not going to make you read your Bible. He's not going to make you pray. He's not going to make you worship. He's not going to make you do that thing. He made your spirit perfected forever, and now it's up to you. Who are you going to merge with? Who are you going to partner with? Your new spirit or the old man that's actually gone, buried, dead, crucified, you know, gone, floated down the river, passed away, all right? Um, Or with a new man, who you are in Christ. There's a whole mystery on the inside of you in in these vessels, in these jars of clay, a mystery. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we can take time to know, well, who am I now? You talk about confusion in the world today. There's confusion like we've never seen before. Because they don't know who they are. There's confusion in the church, just as bad as in the world. They don't know who they are. You're not a sinner anymore. Right. Old things passed away, it's become new. You're now a saint. You cannot be a sinner and a saint at the same time. Just so you know. I have a chapter in that in my book, you can read it, called Sinners and Saints. It shows all the verses of the Bible. It, shows that it doesn't call you a sinner after you're saved. It calls you a saint. Right. You don't have to be Catholic to be a saint. All right. <laughs> anyway, I want to pray for you guys.
because um, this week I've been just meditating on this different times throughout the day, just throughout the week, when I've been painting, when I've been doing different things in devotions, whatever, just thinking about, I'm in Christ, Christ in me. I'm in Christ, Christ in me. My spirit's been perfected forever. Just meditate on what he says. As we acknowledge what he already did, our faith becomes effectual. We want to think like uh, one day your life changing and becoming more like the Apostle Paul or Peter or one of the disciples. Guess that's going to happen. You're going to have to believe what Christ said about you now. Not once you die and go to heaven, but now. You're going to be, they think you're radical. No, it's not radical. I just believe what God said. What's radical is not believe what he said when he can't lie. That's pretty radically stupid. But we, we struggle with that, don't we? <laughs> Self-confession maybe, but you guys stand. I'm going to pray for you. Um, just like in worship, God, I pray you'd help us to see you ourselves and others through a different perspective through the eyes of the spirit not who we used to be not who they used to be but who we are in Christ or who they are potentially in Christ if they're not saved yet I pray Lord Jesus you would help this word get rooted and grounded in our hearts that we know that we know that we know who we are It's not based on feelings or emotions or what's going on in our life. You're with us 24-7 every day of our life and on into eternity, never to leave. And I pray we take some time to know you by the Spirit of God. To know you. To commune with you. To listen to you. To agree with you. Lord, I just bless your children today. And I thank you, Lord, that we are new creatures new creation, recreated in you, so we can do the very works that you did and greater works than, we, than these we will do because you went to the Father and it's now our turn to do these works through God the same way you did, by your Spirit, through your Spirit. God, we just bless this house, bless these people, and I just thank you for your word and they become rooted and grounded in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. Have a great day. You are dismissed.